That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio. And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting it all together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus Focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high-quality naturopathic doctor-designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Okay. Dr. Dave here, ready to record another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. And this week, I'm in uh, in the studio. <laughs> we're, not, we're in different studios. We're, we're talking with Dr. Becky Lee. And uh, Dr. Becky Lee is a naturopathic doctor. She graduated in, uh, I believe you said, 2010. Yeah. And yeah, and so uh, she's got a, a real mission to, to help uh, people who are recovering from cancer and um, I think the best thing for me to do right now, uh, Becky, is just let you take over and give us a bit of uh, a story of, you know, where you are and how you got there and, uh, and the hope that you're trying to, uh, to provide to uh, patients all over. Sure. Sounds good. Thanks so much for, um, for letting me come into your podcast today, too. This is so great to be able to chat with you today and everyone else listening out there. Um, so I'm Becky. I'm a naturopathic doctor. I'm also a cancer coach and a cancer thriver is what we like to label ourselves, I guess, uh, if we need a label, but for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I guess I should start maybe with a little bit of my cancer story, because I think that gives a lot of context as to why and how I got to where I am right now and what I do in terms of helping other people get to where they could potentially be. So um, I had synovial sarcoma at the age of 16. Um, you know, the way that it presented for me was actually a lump on my back. And it's a really slow growing cancer. I think a lot of people probably haven't even heard about it, um, to be honest, because it is so rare. Um, I would say it's like one to maybe three a million a year that get diagnosed with this particular type of cancer. So if you can imagine, you know, going to the doctor and sort of having this lump on, on your back and, and asking for some advice as to, you know, what is this first of all and what do I do about it? Um, and continually being told that it was a lipoma. 
And as you know, a lipoma is just a fat tissue, right? It's benign. It's really um, nothing to be concerned about, although you can get it removed just for aesthetic reasons, essentially. And so around that same time, so that I would have been 10 years old by the time I first felt that lump on my back and it continued to grow. My mom also actually had a brain tumor around that time. So it was a really, really difficult time, if you can imagine. Um, you know, that small lump on my back really wasn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things with someone going through a brain tumor and, you know, um, recovering and um, almost losing my mom, actually, because there was another person that went in for surgery for the exact same type of brain tumor around the same area and ended up sadly passing away. So there were just a lot of things, essentially. And, you know, uh, being sort of this week is actually uh, AYA Cancer Awareness Week, and it's the Adolescent and Young Adults Cancer Awareness. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is the last day. Um, but it's just a week to bring awareness to the fact that there are cases like mine where, you know, you're age 15 to maybe even 39 at diagnosis. But this population oftentimes doesn't have really good um, in terms of prognosis and all that kind of stuff. A lot mm -hmm. of things in terms of survival haven't changed over the years because again this population is a population that we often don't think is getting cancer right that's sort right. of the mentality out there um but anyways just going back to my story i finally at age of 16 you know after going through having gone to the doctor a few times over this lump that just kept growing over the years six years you know in total total probably um, is it on your back, spine becky no it was actually on my right sort of like back lower back Mm -hmm. So it wasn't exactly on the spine. It was on the more soft tissue. And so I could definitely feel it. It was right. becoming uncomfortable. I wouldn't say that painful. Um, and I think that's why they thought it was a lipoma, that it, it was right. this lump that, you know, didn't seem to be doing much more else. Was it movable too? Like, could you move? It like... was movable. Yeah. It was movable. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you can see why someone might mistake it for a lipoma then? I could see that. And again, being like a very rare type of cancer too, I could definitely yeah. see that. Having said that, this the same doctor is the doctor that misdiagnosed my mom with that brain tumor for a really long time, right? Where right. we're talking like visual changes um, and was told then to go to the, you know, headaches and all all of the classic symptoms we would take, right? right? And, and do further testing, um, continually being sent to other professionals, you know, go get some eyeglasses, you know, maybe yeah. take this, this medication for your headaches and that sort of stuff. So yeah, but definitely something that probably wasn't very easy to diagnose for anybody. I right. think at that point, though, I might have, you know, thought, in, in my own head, in the perfect world, I would have said, you know, why didn't he just do a biopsy, right? Um, that's right. not how it happened. I went into a elective surgery. I just wanted to remove the, uh, the lump because I was 16. I wanted to uh, yeah. be able to wear normal clothes. I didn't want to hide in the corner and change during phys ed class, right? Because now this lump had grown to about five centimeters, I would say, in diameter. And mm -hmm. so it was definitely, you know, something that was... Um, for me, uh, I didn't want anyone to know about it. I thought it was grotesque at that age, probably. And, uh, but that's what saved me, right? This, the reason that I got it removed was because of aesthetic reasons. And yet that is the thing that saved me because had they found it later, had I just left it to grow, it could have spread further, right? So when I was diagnosed at that time, it was close enough to my, um, my right lung, I think, or the rib cage area that they were concerned that it might have spread because it had been there for so long. Um, and 
you know, there was all this other talk about, you know, certain therapies that may or may not work and sarcomas in general tend to be more difficult to treat um, and that sort of stuff. Miraculously, and really a blessing and, you know, prayers and, and tears and all that kind of stuff, really, um, at the hands of my medical doctor who did the surgery, that was really it. That was a curative surgery for me. And yep. um, while the, the scar spans half my back and there's a lot of tissue that was removed, um, that still sometimes, you know, for me can be um, seen in like my, the pain in the, my back that sometimes I feel there's a bit of imbalance, right? When you lose a bit of tissue and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. especially muscle. Um, but aside from that, I was able to essentially like move on with my life, but didn't know how to really do that, right? How do you really move on from having had cancer, being a cancer survivor, knowing that there are still some risks post that. Um, we do know that the survival rate for this particular type of cancer, you know, at five years is 50 to 60%, at 10 years is 40 to 50%, right? There's nothing really that to tell you like 100%, you're not going to get this back. And so I understand how that feels like. I know there are many cancer survivors who have finished treatments and are trying to move into this new phase, new normal. I think that we hear so much about with COVID right now really that that same sentence can be said for a lot of us cancer survivors going from getting treatments and doing all of that kind of stuff to now being under surveillance. And then, you know, after 10 years or whatever it might be, basically let go from the system in a, in a way, right? Come back if right. you feel any symptoms. For me, it was like, what symptom am I feeling, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. tell me, is it shortness of breathing? Like, what am I su- supposed to feel? And it was literally like anything at that time. Right. Whatever you feel come. And uh, yeah, so that's part of the story. But from that, really, it culminated into a passion for me to work with cancer survivors, to really now work on cancer prevention, whether it's primary or um, secondary prevention, right? Recurrence prevention, because there's so much that we can do as naturopathic doctors, too. We have so many tools in our belt. Um, and there's just so much, um, in terms of just our quality of life afterward and being able to move forward and optimize our health. Right. It's, I always say this, but it's the difference between, you know, being Clark Kent and Superman, right? Sometimes like you may not feel that you're not uh, at your optimal state, but we can always optimize our health. There's always things that we could do better. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's where this passion sort of came from for me. So so you're 16 when you, when you had the surgery. Yes. Is that what you said? Yeah. And then, yeah. so then uh, fast forward quite a few years, you became a naturopathic doctor, but in, in between there, w- w- any, any story to tell between, uh, you know, coming out of that surgery and, and going few and then, uh, and then becoming a naturopath? Yeah. So in between there, I mean, I think like every other cancer survivor, I sort of struggled with like, what is it that I could be doing? Right. There's so many different voices in your head, uh, in your own head, but other outside of you too, that are telling you what to do being young. Right. It was mainly my parents, but there were also other things that once I could, you know, look online and, uh, and search myself, I know I did this big, like research article in high school and it was all around, you know, cancer prevention, essentially, and diet and what we could be doing with our diet. And that, you know, these lower risks that we see, and for example, countries like Asia that have, you know, these very type clean type of diets, um, lower risk for breast cancers, as soon as they come to somewhere like, you know, a Western country and start mm-hmm. to then go ahead and, and, and take on this Western type diet, 
have the same type of, you know, risks for, for breast cancers. And, and it's all based on what we've been eating and, and diet and that sort of stuff. So that really empowered me, I think, to think, okay, there's definitely more that I could be doing that I don't know. I mm-hmm. also thought like low fat, you know, low sugar diet. I think there's just so much around diet in general out there that it can be really confusing. Um, so it, you know, it was a journey, I think in general, and it's, I think a journey that a lot of us take where, you know, there's a part of you that kind of wants to move forward and not even look at cancer anymore, right? You're kind of sick of it. You don't want to think about it. There's another part of you that's super fearful of any recurrence that wants to do something, but isn't really sure about what to do. And oftentimes, I mean, you know, with the way that the conventional system works, we don't really get that support. I can tell you, um, you know, when you go into the waiting room currently, you might get some juice and some cookies. I don't know if they still do that, but back in the day, that's sort of what I would, I would come and, and do. And, you know, you could partake in that. Um, yeah. but there was never to me in that entire time, any talk around diet, any talk about exercise, even, or anything that I could be doing to really up-level my health. There wasn't even any questions around my mental health. Like how was I doing? Was I anxious? You know, nothing was ever asked in any of the appointments that I had. Um, I hope that's changed uh, now, but I do know, you know, obviously the appointments are super quick. I think the oncologists and all the doctors are also trying to do their best. Um, But again, the system's not built right now to help support cancer survivors post, you know, when they're told that they're cancer free and they can move on into their lives, um, into their normal, new normal, whatever you might call it. So, so, you know, post that really everything that I did since, you know, uh, after that surgery and everything else was really to propel myself to be in a position where I could help other survivors like myself other people that were going through cancer because I knew it so intimately as a patient, but also as seeing someone, you know, going through something traumatic, like having a brain tumor that I could understand both sides in that sense, mm-hmm. as well as a caregiver. And so, yeah. So uh, you knew fairly early that something like medicine would be in, in your future and then uh, naturopathic medicine. Yeah. I knew fairly early that something like medicine could be in my future. I didn't know it was going to be naturopathic medicine. Funny mm-hmm. enough, I did work at uh, Michener Institute for a little bit doing some marketing for them. Um, it was a summer job that sort of ended up being like a full-time job as I tried to figure out sort of which way I wanted to go. And my boss at the time was the one that had sort of said, um, you know, you should really look into naturopathic medicine. Um, yeah. and that's you, can what, you just share what Michener is for those who may not know? So Michener Institute <clears throat> is a institute or a school, I guess, in Toronto. Um, it's based downtown, unless they've moved since that time. <laughs> but they've got different programs like respiratory therapy. They've got radiation um, therapy as well and, and a lot of different sort of um, programs like that for healthcare practitioners, essentially. Um, yeah, so like you're I working in a healthcare yeah. sort of zone there. Healthcare zone, yeah. I was seeing yeah. what the the radiation sort of therapists were were looking at and that sort of stuff too. Because I also w- was thinking that oh, maybe I would go into that realm too, right? Um, mm-hmm. Any interaction with any cancer patients at that point was sort of like my dream. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't know which way. Um, but yes, yeah. she was definitely very impactful in sort of leading me to naturopathic medicine because I had no idea what that was, like no idea at all. I came from <laughs> Peterborough. I grew up in Peterborough. 
Um, I came to Toronto to go to U of T for, for undergrad and uh, only around that time did I start really getting to know what naturopathic medicine was after, you know, my boss sort of told me about it. And then um, a mentor, really close mentor of mine, as she's trying to help me navigate which way I should go, also mentioned it. So it was like kind of two people at the same, around the same time that had mentioned it to me. And as I looked into it, I thought, okay, you know what, this actually sounds really great. And, um, and sort of, you know, that's what propelled me into this field. Um, and I haven't looked back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, it, you do understand things so much differently when you've gone through it, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. I, I think it gives you an insight that I'll, you know, I, not me or just wh- whoever hasn't had it. You just, mm-hmm. you can't have that depth of insight. And then you add that with your professional um, understanding and, and everything. It, it's, it's quite powerful. So mm-hmm. um, Becky, tell us what you're up to these days then. So we've, that's sort of like the history up till now abbreviated, I'm sure. Right, <laughs> right. Three kids and all that <laughs> in, yeah. the, in the interim, but like, what, what are you up to now? What's your, what's your mission now? Your day to day looking like now as a naturopathic doctor working virtually. So my mission now, yeah, I, I shifted everything virtually, mainly because of, you know, what's been going on with COVID and um, essentially with three kids, obviously, and knowing that, you know, my p- purpose in life, when you've got a purpose driven life, you know exactly what it is and how it is that you want it to look. My family is super important to me. I needed to allow for my profession to work around my family as well, but also be able to do what I love, which is really working with cancer survivors um, and cancer patients too. And doing that virtually is what allows me to do everything right now as optimally mm-hmm. as I can essentially. Um, but right now, obviously I'm, I'm still working virtually with my patients and I've got a great program. It's called the Fem Thrive method um, that I built out for cancer survivors. So it's, it's women that have gone through cancers. It could be any different type of cancer that sort of want to take back control of their health, be empowered again, know, you know, what to eat, how to do things, work fundamentally to build themselves up again, essentially, right? This period right after cancer treatments are done is so critical. There's so many things that your body has gone through, through the treatment itself, um, mentally, emotionally, like in every way possible. And so to really take hold of your life again and feel more in control again, there are so many inspiring stories of people that have gone through the program and it really drives and motivates me as well to see that these women can rise up above the ashes is how I like to picture it, right? Like you've gone mm-hmm. through a battle essentially and you're able to come out um, and take back hold of your life again. You know, we will have fear. There will be anxiety. That's all part of that journey. I don't know if you could go through cancer and not have that. I don't think that's realistic at all. But being able to use what you've gone through to really empower you and to come out of it even better. That's really my mission, right? Is to help people Mm -hmm. through that journey to get to the other side and now be able to live this wonderful life that they've dreamt about living ever since they were diagnosed with cancer, right? No, anybody that's heard the word cancer with your name right beside it. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. You feel like I can tell you, I was getting ready for my death essentially, right? Like that's how dramatic it can feel. And oftentimes it can be that way too. And, and that's obviously the tragic part about cancer is that one in two Canadians will be affected by cancer sometime in their lifetime. That's a a Mm -hmm. scary statistic. And that's crazy. Um, It is. I've had that fear. I had a, I had a melanoma. Uh, invasive mm-hmm. melanoma. And that, that's exactly um, uh, what what you start thinking about. You think, okay, 
I could die. I mean, we have to think about that now and then anyways, as a part of like spirituality and life is that, you know, we're not here forever. That's okay. So we have to talk about that now and then, but Mm. when you get that cancer diagnosis, man, do you ever think about um, how short uh, life is and and not, you don't want to waste any time, do you? Absolutely. It's this yeah. new perspective that you have in life, right? And everything, everything past that now you, you weigh, you have to weigh mm-hmm. and you have to say, okay, is this worth my time exactly. um, and the way that I want to spend it? Does this align with my goals, with the way that I envision my life with my purpose in life, right? We only have mm-hmm. this, this, um, minute time here, I think on earth. And I think about it all the time now too, because I've got kids and having kids just brings on even more of that, I would say. <laughs> um, Cause they, they show you how fast time goes, right? Like as if mm-hmm. we don't know that already, it just, you know, as they grow, you start to realize, my gosh, you know, last year they were in diapers and this year they're like running everywhere. Now they're like, talking back to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like teenagers and they're like barely eight. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just such a big, uh, shift, right. in thinking, because now, Mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden, even at 16, when it should have been my pinnacle of like, I can do anything and I can be anything and I can, you know, I can take all these risks. Dream time. Yeah. Yeah. When I was brought back to the harsh reality of like how life can actually be. But out of that comes again, the fact that you can take hold of your life, the fact that you can do more things, the fact that you should and, and dream big. Why not dream big? That's, that's my question too. So, yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to cut you off. Finish your thought there. No, I I don't know if I had a thought to finish. (laughs) (laughs) We could, we can go on. We can go on. I I wanted to talk about that, that time where someone's sort of coming out of treatment and it, Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all, this is your area of expertise. So forgive my uh, ignorance of the, the specifics in, in all these uh, cases, but you know, you go through your, your treatment, it's probably pretty frantic. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of like uh, collaboration because that's when Western medicine is quite good, right? We become mm-hmm. very active in terms of the thing, but then, okay, boom, you're done treatment. And then boom, it's like, what yeah. happens then? So can, can you maybe, you know, share with people uh, a little bit of what your your patients and clients say about that sort of vacuum that is after treatment yeah this this really strange time after treatment um and i almost call it like the first fourth trimester that we never talk about right like um similar to what the fourth trimester is like for women after they've had babies and we don't talk about how hard that is right? Like Mm. even breastfeeding and all of that kind of stuff. We only ever talk about that pregnancy. It's the same thing I feel like in this cancer journey where we've got this like fourth trimester, nobody talks about, but when you're told you're cancer free and you're essentially sent home to live out your normal life, but there's no direction, but now you've got like that fear, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. You've got people talking to you and at you about different things that you should be doing why they think you got the cancer in the first place um, and all that kind of stuff. Right. And that pressure really mounts a lot more after your finished treatment, because now there's more time. You don't have a set schedule. You don't have, you know, chemotherapy and radiation lined up for you. There's no plan set in place, right? It's done. That part is done, but yet we're told to move on and sort of, you know, live your normal life, do whatever you, you want to do but we don't know what that looks like anymore because cancer has changed everything. There are so many voices around us talking to us about different things that oftentimes it gets so overwhelming and confusing 
what I will say too, is this period is a time where, you know, a lot of people still have side effects from treatments, right? So we're still talking about sleep is still an issue. There might be neuropathy. People might have um, gained or lost weight during treatment. And so we're really moving into what I call the cancer recovery phase, where we really want to start building up the body a little bit again, but we don't really know how. A lot of us don't mm-hmm. know how, right? Um, and so we try a lot of different things. I think as as I hear from my, uh, you know, cancer patients, what I did myself and, you know, um, the stories that are out there essentially are people sort of grabbing at anything that they can um, and sort of going with any suggestions that are brought to them whether or not they match really what what they've gone through and what they need um, sometimes is the issue, right? Because there are so many voices and, and some of these are not trained professionals. A lot of times they're not trained professionals. So we're, we're going based on what maybe Google says or other things right now, maybe what forums are telling us to do. So now with the invention of, you know, internet and everything else and just how quickly we can access information, it can take us down like a spiral essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, it can be a very lonely time. I, I can tell you, I can remember so vividly that last, like, so I was followed up for 10 years and that last appointment when they're like, okay, yeah. So after this, you get no more checkups, right? I was getting x-rays basically every three months, six months, and then every year for, for 10 years. Um, and that last one, I still remember walking out of Princess Margaret Hospital <laughs> and I can tell you exactly like, it, you know, it was fall time. It just, it, the, everything was gray that day. Like it just totally matched my mood that day, but the weather was gray. Like, and it just, you feel as though you've been dropped in an abyss. That's the only way I can explain it because now you're like, but where, you know, these checkups that used to happen all the time and for so long of a period of time. A major focus, right? A major focus. I'm no longer there. Sometimes we live through that schedule. We say, okay, three months time. You know, it's literally you live through that every three months because you're getting uh, some sort of a scan done or whatever it might be at that point. Um, And so, yeah, it it can be pretty scary. That point, as, as, um, as happy as I think a lot of people feel like we should be too, um, it is anticlimactic a lot of times, right? And so it's, mm-hmm. it's a really great time, I think, for us to all be able to then, okay, let's try and really recover from this, you know, in, in both mentally and physically, and let's, let's get the work done right now so that it can impact our health in the future. Because there are, obviously, with uh, treatments as well, there are actually some long-term effects that, we, that also happen, and we can help to mitigate that by the things that we do what we eat, you know, sleep, all of that kind of stuff, exercise, all the fundamentals are so critical. Um, and you just need to know how to do that, essentially. Mm-hmm. They're so often forgotten, though. I always talk about them being unsexy. <laughs> you know, they're they not. They are. Oh, my not, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if we charged, you know, um, if we charged basically to exercise, I feel like, and put some, like put a label on it or something, right? Like brand it really nicely. It's almost like it would sell better, but the way that it is currently, I don't think we realize how important it can be. Or maybe when we do realize it, we may not even know how to go about doing that. Right? Like what Mm -hmm. is the actual impact of the type of exercise that I'm doing? What's the impact of the foods that I'm eating? But I can tell you from the clients and the patients that I see, Things like changing up their diet changes sometimes, like not only their mood, um, it can change their digestion. Obviously, we all know that, but you know, their pain point, right? We're talking about joint pain and other things that may go together, 
with some of the therapeutics that they had already or some that they're having right now. Like those mm -hmm. fundamental critical things actually, and they seem so small sometimes that we feel like we can sort of, you know, just skip over them. Those are the things that build a good enough foundation and system for our body to be able to function optimally, even though we're taking treatments that may affect us like joint pain and so forth, that that can still be mitigated by the fundamentals um, mm -hmm. of health and that core stuff. So, um, so that's the interesting part, right? Because then when you start seeing improvements, even then, that then you realize, okay, yeah, there's a lot of value to this. And, you know, yeah. consistency is so important for that too. And then there's a lot of value in seeing, uh, you know, I'd say an ideal partner is a naturopathic doctor on your, on your team. So that's, you know, in your case, that's where you come in. What do you, what sort of, um, what sort of pain points do you think you're helping, um, your, your patients and, and clients with, so they've come from this vacuum. You said the abyss, I think of like a, you're out in space, like just floating, <laughs> you know, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and then, so because like they've had all that direction and purpose, like we talked about, and now there's like nothing. It's like nothingness. Um, yeah. So then, how do you think you you come in at that point and, and help give uh, your patients some direction, or what what is what's the real pain points for the patients at that point that you're sort of helping them uh, get get some help with? Right. So um, part of the reason why I came up with the program was just because of that, right? Because we're sent into this abyss, we don't have a plan set in place. And this becomes like their step by step methodology to get back into their optimal health. Right. So we go through multiple things. So some of the things that the first part that I talk about actually is what I call the thrive mind shift, that so many traumatic experiences have happened to us that have changed the way that we we see ourselves, you know, and, and think about our bodies and all that kind of stuff. Um, that we need to start working on getting back to sort of the best um, type of mindset that we can. Because mindset, as you know, also drives different types of hormones. It can, you know, um, essentially help us to sleep or not sleep. You know, there's so many different factors around mindset. Um, and if we can work on that, because it's one of the biggest muscles, if not the biggest muscle that we have, and it needs exercise daily, right? So that's one of the things that we work on off the bat. Um, and the primary thing. It's also looking at our lives a little bit more wider, right? The cancer happened and that journey definitely happened. For people that um, are going through this sort of cancer-free phase now, and that's, that's the type of you know, population I'm talking about, not necessarily because um, there's so many different people and different types of journeys, but I feel like with this particular phase, it's really easy for us to go in like feet first and just dive into this, right? Dive into the fact that we need to now recover from all these treatments because we have been given the green light and we can go ahead and do that fully, like a hundred percent, right? There's nothing else sort of in our schedule and that sort of stuff. Um, but the mindset, again, is the first thing that we work on. We definitely want to work on that diet, right? Because that propels so much of what's happening in, internally as well. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit about sugar too, because that's one of the things do, that a lot of people ask do. about. Yeah, sugar and cancer. And we think that sugar is this evil, really, with cancer, right? That it's going to feed the cancer and that's why we need to stay away from it. I would say, you know, obviously minimizing and, you know, taking out as much sugar as possible is definitely one of the, the 
sort of strategies, but you know, the goal of it is actually because there's so many different things that sugar can do internally to the environment that we have, right? So for example, it can bring about um, insulin and glucose dysregulation or imbalance, right? We spike up that blood sugar by having a lot of these like sort of sugary foods. Um, And one thing to note is that, you know, not all sugars are equal, right? Like our body can make glucose from carbohydrates, protein, or fat. Um, but of the three, the carbohydrates are actually the most immediate source. And again, if we have more complex foods, it makes it, um, you know, it takes a longer period of time for that food to be broken down into the, the simple sugars. But just to say that there's this um, sort of impact on our body that we can have by increasing the blood sugar levels, which also then can increase insulin and insulin-like growth factors that have been shown to help cancer cells grow. That's the type of stuff that we can control by by mitigating how much sugar we're having. Oxidative stress is another thing that high sugar intake can cause. Um, increasing body fats, as you know, is, is not a great thing either because we know that fat is not a benign object in our body. It's, it's not not doing anything, even though it looks like it's not doing anything. There's, you know, different things that it's sending out different hormones and signals to our body that can also increase our risk of obesity, diabetes, and so many other things. But again, the next thing would be that chronic inflammation, right? That's, that's sort of what it's feeding um, into our body is this chronic inflammation, which makes it more likely than again for DNA damage to occur and increasing the chances of cells turning cancerous. So there's a lot around, you know, sugar feeds cancer, but it's actually more intricate than sugar feeds cancer. It's really yeah. just about the impact of sugar in our body as well. So as a total, you know, it's, it's a little bit more complex. Um, I'm glad you're saying this because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, you, you, I mean, I guess I heard that sugar feeds cancer a long time ago. Um, yeah. but what you're talking about is like a more holistic kind of view of where you have to do the things that are just, you have to, um, tick the boxes of, um, natural requirements for, uh, homeostatic conditions. And you even said environment, yeah. uh, you know, how sugar affects the environment. And that's, I talk about that with patients all the time. It's like, we're trying to create good environments for yeah. things to thrive. Um, and it, it, it gets into that unsexy foundational stuff, like <laughs> hydrate enough, sleep enough, you know, don't eat sugar. And there, mm-hmm. I know it seems so simple, right? But mm-hmm. it's, it's so, so critical before we get too specific with a lot of things to, to make that environment um, one in which uh, our cells and, and our you know, our symbiotic friends will, will thrive. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, it's, it's talking about, I think making the unsexy stuff sexy really happens when people understand why we're trying to do that, right? Like what Mm. impact does it have? If we know that this high sugar intake can cause more chronic inflammation, more oxidative stress can increase your risk for body fat and, you know, um, produce more hormones like estrogen and stuff like that. It it becomes more clear as to, okay, this is why I'm doing this. Like this actually has some impact in that. And can actually control that. And that's why, you know, I feel like with the way that we function as naturopathic doctors, we get such a great um, amount of time to spend with our patients to sort of go through some of these, like, these are some of the reasons why we're doing it, even if we can't do it all in that session. Um, that this is another reason why the program was built out uh, and why I built it out, because I was saying the exact same things over and over and over. <laughs> and I wanted to explain it in a much deeper way than we could go through it even in, in the hour or, you know, hour and a half or whatever it was, um, you know, uh, appointments um, in that sense. But, but yeah, like 
I think if we just think about the fundamentals, um, you know, obviously some of the supplements can help too. And there are definitely roles in supplements, I think, in terms of helping us to thrive. But if we can't get the fundamentals right, I often say, well, that's just expensive pee that we're, we're putting <laughs> down the drain a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, I think we've heard that out there before, but it's so true. It's just you're peeing out expensive stuff there if you don't have the fundamentals. Because it, it doesn't allow for your environment to be optimal for those supplements to really work too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this relationship that we have to have sort of, you know, maybe both of those things, or some people feel really great just doing the fundamentals and don't need too much support on the other side. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It depends where they're at too, right? Exactly. Like if, they, if they eat at uh, McDonald's and Tim Hortons and Mary Brown's every day, then they're, you know, and stuff, stuff their face with sugar. Then we've got some easy, low hanging fruit <laughs> Absolutely. To, to work with. And that's very different than some of the other patients, which I'm sure you see, which are you know, arguably eating better than you. And then maybe their movement mm-hmm. is even better and they sleep all right. And then still there's, there's something, you know, that, that needs to be uh, addressed beyond that. So very different uh, situations for different people means very different uh, individualized treatments, right? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, what I am finding though, is that a lot of us, um, I think we're so confused. <laughs> yeah. We don't know how to go back to the fundamentals. That's really what I'm seeing from a lot of patients and sort of people coming out from their cancer journey is that we don't really know how to get back to the the fundamentals because now everything seems so confusing. Like eating right doesn't seem so plain and simple anymore. What does that mean? Um, Exercising, like all those things just don't seem so simple. And so it allows us to take them back as naturopaths, right, to to some sort of um, tips and and strategies on how to get yourself back to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we, we, I'd say even naturopaths, some young naturopaths or, or me previously would struggle with that. We like the, we have the appeal of the take this for that, uh, Western sort of paternalistic, uh, view of medicine. Like, you know, don't change anything. I'll do, you know, let me just give you this yeah. for that. Or, and that's appealing in a way. Cause you know, the doctor naturopath wants to help. I, I, I imagine that's why a lot of us are doing what we're doing because we actually want to help and, and help be a hero in someone's story. But, um, it's not, it's, it's not as easy as, as that you, you have to, you have to do those, those, uh, more holistic things. And that's why I'm, I'm so happy. Uh, although I had tough times as a naturopath, I'd say at the beginning, I'm so happy I am because we, we don't, we honor those, those basic things and then build on top of them. Exactly, exactly. And we know exactly, you know, there, there are different naturopathic strategies too, I think that maybe um, the conventional realm doesn't speak about as well that we can help our patients through um, and, Mm -hmm. and help them with those strategies as well, which I'm super thankful about, because I think it's really those strategies that also help people move shift from even, you know, being normal to optimal, right? And what is normal, but, um, but we want to get to if we're gonna, if we're gonna do this, right, then we might as well go all the way type of thing, right? We might as well just get to the best health that we can. Um, And so that's what I, yeah, I talk to my patients about as well. Well, one of the first things you talked about was uh, what you do with with patients is is talking about mindset without, you know, telling us everything that you do, or if it's different for everyone, then, you know, maybe it was a terrible question, but what's the sort of patterns you're seeing that you need to do with mindset? In terms of mindset, there's a lot of things around um, fear. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, And definitely things like, um, you know, anxiety, overwhelm, all those things really have a lot of place. 
Sorry, one second. That's all right. Real, real life, real, real life happening. Is happening right now. Sorry, girls, I'm still in the interview. Can you guys close the door? Okay, perfect. Thank you. Can you close the door, please? Are you? Thank you. That intermission was brought to you by our sponsor, Cytomatrix. Exactly. <laughs> there, that's good. Um, yeah, no. So for mindset, I think we forget to live our lives. I think that fear really puts us a little bit stuck in the past and sort of in a future that hasn't happened yet. I don't know if that really makes sense, but that's what I'm seeing a lot of. And so the mindset portion is sort of getting back to living today. Like, what are you going to be doing today? We're taking the Mm -hmm. step by step. We're trying not to go to the past. We're trying not to move forward into a future that hasn't happened yet. Because again, you know, a lot of us tend to move into that like three months, six months, you know, a year sort of um, follow up and don't really concentrate on what, what makes us happy today, what we can do today, what we can potentially, you know, be enjoying more of um, because of that fear. And so that mindset work tends to be a lot on bringing people back to what is your purpose? What is your goal? And how are we going to do this? How are you going to do this? Um, and what what do you value and how can you take that step by step so that we're not rushing to, you know, different conclusions that we can really enjoy the moment as that moment is um, and not as it was based on the fear or the fear of the future. It's, it's really um, about being more in the moment, I think, in terms of mindset stuff, for sure. Yeah, it's hard because you never forget your diagnosis and you never forget. Like I'm, I, I bet if you get a back pain or you see a lump growing, you're kind of like, oh God, yeah. You know, so yet there's a piece of that that happens. I know I do that when I get a funky mole. Yeah, that, that's what happens. I think Absolutely. people who have that symptom, any any sort of like shadow of a symptom that reminds them of that. How do you yeah. deal with that? You know, um, as a as a cancer survivor, so I did. You know. I would have these symptoms of like of back pain and I still do every now and then. And you have this idea of like, Oh man, you know, should I feel around? Cause maybe, is there another lump growing there? Like, should I be, mm-hmm. should I get a checkup and that sort of stuff? And I, I have in the past gotten a checkup based on different symptoms that I had in that surrounding area. Um, you know what, at the end of the day, you make a decision, right? You make a decision to do, the stuff that you can do to control the things that you can to go see your doctor. If you feel like there's something there to be concerned about, I think there's something about also, you know, if there is a concern, ensuring that you get the help, ensuring that you get the assurance that there's nothing there to be concerned about um, and, and getting that follow up with your doctor, you know, whether it be your family doctor or whoever else is, is part of your care team that you do that. Cause that also is empowering that you've taken a step to ensure that nothing is wrong. But then to move on from that and sort of take control of the things that you can control, right? Because we can all control our, our diet, our exercise, all our mindset stuff, like those things we can control. The outcome of what happens, like, are we going to get cancer or not get cancer? Certain parts, you know, we know that 40 to 50% of, of um, you know, cases in cancer can be prevented just through lifestyle change, right? We know like smoking, physical inactivity, excess weight, diet, sun exposure, all that kind of stuff puts us at at a higher risk that means we have some control and so really focusing back on the stuff that we can control moving through action um, to you know preventative stuff and also surveillance stuff if we need it you know if we do need a follow-up go ahead and do that I think there's merit to that too if you feel like you feel a symptom 
the one thing that we don't want to do is allow fear, because even though we're going to feel it, to essentially run our lives, right? That's not the way that we would want to live anyways. Um, like you could give some advice on how to handle COVID, I think, too. It's, oh, yeah. It's a very similar <laughs> sort of approach, I think, would be really would be really yeah. good. Yeah. You know, Don't put your head in the sand, but also let's take action with good stuff and exactly, continue right? to live. But yeah. anyway, I couldn't help with the, ana- right? the analogy. And no, it's, like, it's oh coming. <laughs> when, when I talk to my cancer patients now, and we laugh about it because we see, oh my gosh, now everyone going through COVID kind of understands what cancer patients kind of want to go through. Uh-huh. Well, right? There's so yeah. many things that are so very similar about that, like that fear of like the unknown almost, like you can't see it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, any symptom that you get, then you feel like you've got COVID, right? You could have a cough, it could be allergies and you, you know, runny nose, all that kind of stuff. And your mind goes in a different way. And that's what a lot of cancer survivors or people that have gone through cancer also experience. So there's a lot of similarities there, there mm-hmm. for sure. Wisdom, wisdom comes through very similarly in many different situations. If it's real wisdom is, is what I find. So, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, so who are the type of people um, that are most, you know, most in need for what, for what you're bringing? So like, what are, what are the people that you think really, really need to hear uh, about what you're doing? Or, or you could say maybe those that don't need to know about your program, but those that, those, who are the people that you think, really, really need to, to know about what you're doing? So the people for particularly like the program, the Femme Thrive Method program are women. And I made it all women because it brings sort of a camaraderie. I feel like there are different topics that we talk about as women as well um, that mm-hmm. pertain specifically to our needs. Um, there are women that would be, you know, going through their sort of life after cancer phase, right? They're trying to, maybe it's, it could have been months. How soon after? Even. Yeah. How soon after right are you usually seeing people? Okay. So I'm, I'm seeing some people actually right at their tail, tail end of their, their treatments as well. So they know that they're going to be finished treatment soon. You know, they're, they're cancer free, but essentially getting that sort of preventative stuff and, and moving into this new phase for them. It could be people that have been out, um, you know, months or years past their sort of cancer free diagnosis as well, or, you know, when they've been sent off. Um, so the, it is a broad range of people, but it, it's really women that, you know, I call them all high performing, right? Like, and, and which women isn't, woman isn't, but, and, you know, men are too, but these women are like, they're, they're moms, they're, you know, they're grandmothers. Um, they've got jobs. Yeah, it's different. They've got, <laughs> they've got so many things, right? Yeah. Like we've got so many things on our plate, but we still want to prioritize our health. So how do we do that? We can't seem to do it on our own because we can't seem to get the results that we want. Um, and we want to, but we want to move forward and feel more empowered and not be on Google all day long looking for things that may or may not work. Right. And so those are the type of women that usually, um, uh, you know, come and join the program. And obviously after I chat with them, I have a better idea as to whether or not it would be a good program for them based on what their goals are and their challenges are. Um, cause I want to make sure that whoever is going through it, that it really does benefit them that, you know. I put my heart, soul, tears into this as well, um, because I'm so committed in their success too. And I know that they are as well, right? And so when we're aligned and in sync, I think that's when the, the beauty sort of comes. Um, and so, yeah, these are women that, that just want to, again, take charge of their health again, do all the things that they need to do again, maybe have some side effects that they want to get rid of. Maybe it's the weight, right? That they want mm. to get to an ideal weight, but haven't been able to do that. 
Oftentimes, I think we need the, the sort of support and sort of like a step-by-step methodology, right? Like, um, yeah, some direction. I find, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, maybe back in the day, we, the naturopath had all the, the books and all that for the knowledge. Now it's all the, the books and, or the knowledge is out there. Some of it's garbage, but um, mm-hmm. now you need the direction. And I think that's, that's one of the real benefits of seeing someone like you is you're going to get some direction and tell you what not to worry about, you know, cause there's yeah. so much you spend your whole day. Uh, the whole day you could spend trying to find the best information, every opinion in the world, keto is the best, paleo is the best, vegans, the best, all this. And in the end you need some direction. I think that's why it's really Absolutely. helpful to see someone like, like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, you know, even questions around, different things like supplements yeah diet's a big one I would say it's probably number one in terms of the questions that I get but Mm -hmm. supplements too right because everyone wants to to talk about different things that they've heard about in some of these forums as well and you know things that could potentially impact um a therapy that they're on or, or other drugs I think um yeah there's just so much information like what you said out there that we just help them sift through that like what's actually yeah. evidence based and what's not and you don't have to worry about this because there's this evidence behind this part um and then this other stuff is just more hocus pocus kind of stuff maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> um and it doesn't have that evidence base behind it and that's sort of how i i tend to approach things with with my patients and sort of try and give them as much data as i can around some of those questions right um but yeah, definitely where our power lies is the fact that we can sift through that and much easier than maybe the general population can. And what about, are you doing one-on-one or are you doing uh, sort of group work with, with people or what, what do you, what do you find is the, is the sweet mix there one-on-one or group stuff or what? So what I would say is it really depends on the person and there are different ways that we do the program depending on what their goals are and what their challenges are and what they need. So it is sort of, you know, there's a few different streams that they could go with this. Um, some people, as you know, we can only do one-on-ones as um, naturopaths here in Ontario. And so definitely with that, yes, I've done one-on-ones with patients and going through some of their supplement regimen, whether they started, you know, I don't know if you've had the same thing, but people usually come with their own supplements. <laughs> like they've had supplements oh, yeah. for a while. And so it's, it's just a critical time for us to be able to say, okay, well, this and this and this is critical, but these things you don't need. It's not going to bring you any value. Um, and just sort of taper down on the very, like that sort of, um, you know, uh, the tools that we need to have them on versus stuff that maybe they've heard about. And there's just, you mm-hmm. know, so much. So oftentimes what I find is we do have to switch that up in the one-on-ones. Um, and we want to ensure that we still go back to, again, you know, definitely work on the fundamentals. These things are here for support as well, and they can get you there faster maybe for certain things, um, Mm -hmm. but switching them up every now and then. And that's what, um, I think our strengths are in in being naturopaths that we can do that, that we know sort of what tools they might want to use at which time. And mm-hmm. when, right? Like it, there's a lot behind supplements there as well. But yeah, I do do some uh, one-on-ones. Um, we do have sort of a group at, alongside with that, that sort of, you know, if they need any questions, have any questions that they can go ahead and ask their um, general questions, basically. And then I also ensure that there's um, what I call my Thrive Calls is where we all sort of get together or can listen to it afterwards um, on different hot topics that pertain to some part of our journey 
Maybe it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like looking at, you know, hormones and what they do and fundamentals again, be reminded of like why we're doing the things that we're doing. Um, and some other things are based on what, what um, the women in the program are asking basically more information for. So there's a mix of everything in there. Um, and it really depends on the person and where they're at as to what they'll do and how they'll incorporate that. Becky, number one prescribed uh, supplement. You don't have to give any context or reason uh, for it. I just thought I'd ask you, what's your number one prescribed supplement? With my supplement? cancer patients? Yeah. I would say melatonin currently. Okay. It changes okay. every now and then, but melatonin, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's up there, right? Eh? It's up there, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some good studies around its anti-cancer effects. We do have a lot of uh, people that also can't sleep, right, very yeah. well as well. Um, and also the fact that it's it's fairly inexpensive, um, I would say, in terms of, you know, the, I would, the other supplements. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the impacts behind it and the fact that for the most part, most of us probably are not producing enough melatonin, um, especially when you look at different pathways that, you know, people that have gone through a lot of stress and other things can happen, right? That cortisol level being really high can really impact the amount of melatonin that we produce and that sort of stuff as well, that, that it's something that, yeah, I would say if, if you were to ask me one supplement, that's probably the number one right now. Um, mm-hmm. But it does change, but melatonin is usually up there as well, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mine shifts between bitters and a demulcent of some sort. That's, Which uh, totally makes sense. Yeah. Your, your gut. <laughs> and they're grandma medicines. I call them grandma yeah. medicines. They're yeah. like, they're like old school, simple, simple. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, okay. So is, is there anything else? Um, is there anything else we haven't touched on about uh, what, what you think people need to hear, uh, you know, who are either g- engaging in cancer treatment coming out of it or have been out for a while? Is there something else that you think they need to hear? Um, I think there has to be a message of hope really, right. And inspiration. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's just so much fear around and everyone telling them, you know, maybe scary things and that sort of stuff as well. But there has to be this element of like hope, you know, if you're in treatment right now, like my idea on conventional treatment is it's what saved me. That surgery was what saved me. Um, the way that I practice with my patients is as much as possible, we want to work with your conventional uh, sort of, you know, treatments. Um, we don't want to, to harm what you're doing. We want to enhance what you're doing and also enhance how your health is during it so that you can continue, right? One of the, the things around doing treatments is that uh, we don't want to stop because, you know, say your white blood counts, all that kind of stuff can be affected as well. Um, or maybe you're, you know, there's so many different critical things that we want to ensure your, your health is as, as optimal as possible. Post-treatment, which is really, you know, and, and sort of like those people that have cancer history um, or family cancer histories that are scared of that, right, and that want to work on prevention, whether it's primary or recurrence, that we have the power to do that, that there's so many tools to do that, that there's hope to not feel, you know, you come out of treatment and you're tired, you're, you've got like neuropathy, you've got brain fog, there's so many different things. And they're telling you, Oh, don't worry, you know, it's going to get better over time, or it's just not going to get better at all. We know, <laughs> being naturopaths, working with patients like that, that that's sort of where we want to, like, that's where we, our strengths are, we know yeah. exactly what we can do to help improve all that. I can yeah. tell you, and this is totally unrelated to cancer, but this is because, um, you know, it's related to my mom who, as you know, had a brain tumor, um, can't actually lost a part of her vision as well. And um, also sort of 
you know, was losing it more progressively as time went on. It's naturopathic medicine that also helped her with her vision, where we would have had to go to a, a blind institute, essentially, is what we were told to do mm-hmm. at that time. And I was still in school and trying to learn stuff. But the tools that I learned through school and that we applied is what has allowed her to be able to see. And she constantly says, you know, I can see like 70% better than I could that day. And that's, mm-hmm. that's amazing to hear. But that's just the power that naturopathic medicine has and all the fundamentals have to really get you to your, your optimal state. Right. Um, and so that's, that's one of the things that I want people to know that wherever you are right now, doesn't have to be where you always are. There's mm-hmm. always more things um, that we can do. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to say as a final thing, I think, cause we're, we're probably wrapping up here. There was um, a post. Yeah, this is I your did. chance. This is your yeah, last this is my chance. doorknob <laughs> dropper. <laughs> No. So these are a few critical points that I sort of learned as a cancer survivor and working with cancer patients is early detection saves lives. Like if you feel any symptomology, if there's anything that you're concerned about, don't wait, go get it checked out. Keep Mm -hmm. pushing. If you feel like nobody's listening to you, take care of your health. No one else is going to always be purpose driven. Um, always choose what's hard over what's easy. If it's purposeful and especially related to your health and happiness, be goal driven and think about what impact you're going to have with your life. You have control over that. Irregardless of where you might be in your cancer journey, you have control over that impact. And I've seen patients who were literally in their deathbeds, you know, years, years prior. And she's still is one of uh, the patients that I think a lot about who was just, you know, impactful every day of her life and impactful every time I met her. Um, live like you're living, like keep on prioritizing your health. And today is always going to be the perfect day. Don't start tomorrow or the next day. Literally right now is always the perfect time and take control of that because you can. Like it. Strong, Mm -hmm. strong finish there, Dr. Lee. (laughs) Strong finish. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to choose hard over easy, be purpose driven. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Well, Becky, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the show, um, and, and sharing, uh, what you've, what you've been through and what you, uh, what sort of wisdom and and direction you can share with the one out of two people, uh, who are going to encounter this, uh, the big C at some word and, and help at some point and helping us deal with the fear and, uh, sort of transmuting it into, to purpose and, and all that. It's, it's been a great chat. So thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great day. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada.